0: Alright, so before we get started, I want you to think about how you would answer this question. Just yourself, don't shout it out. Why are you here this morning? Just take a moment, close your eyes, just think about that. Why, Why am I here this morning? So as you dwell on the reason you're here, I want all of us to be reminded that God is here also presence but his presence in us as well and he wants to meet each of us at our point of need that reason why you're here and move us closer to himself he wants to help us grow in our connection with him and his family and so i believe that's what the lord wants to do and if the lord wants to do it then what's going to happen he's going to do it he will do it so this morning I want to start with Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. I know the outline has it last, but just flip the page over and then you're at the beginning. So Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. I was going to cover it on February 17th, and then I ran over. Uh, hopefully I don't do that a lot. but um, And so we were going to cover it the next week, which was the 24th. And then it just didn't seem to work right, and so I, I said, well, I think... Hopefully we'll do it this week. And and now I know why the Lord delayed us. Because we needed to hear Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 today. As we go through life together, and we help one another move from that point of need to our connection, closer connection with Jesus and his family, we experience suffering all of us experience suffering as a church family. We've experienced a lot of suffering, different seasons. The last two weeks, with the passing of Bob Davis and Corky Stuck, our suffering was accentuated. And so today's the day we need to hear Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. I'm actually going to bring begin in verse 2. It says this, Through Him, Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint or I'm sorry hope does not put us to shame some translations say d- does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us so verse 2 reminds us of the hope we have in the glory of God when we're saved we surrender our life to Christ we receive the gift of eternal life and that's our hope we not our hope like our guests we talked about that a few weeks ago, but we have a certain hope that if we've given our life to Christ, we'll live forever, and we can rejoice in that. Amen? You live forever, you can rejoice in that. Amen? Amen. When your car breaks down, I live forever. It doesn't really matter. I rejoice, right? Okay, so we got that. But then Paul says, we also rejoice in suffering. So as followers of Jesus, we're not immune to suffering. But Paul says we can rejoice in our suffering. How is that possible? How is it possible to have joy in suffering? Well, this is what Paul tells us. He says, because suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces, we're going to expand that word endurance based on the theologians and the translations. Suffering produces patient endurance. Endurance without bitterness or rebellion against God. So when we have patient endurance, we're experiencing suffering. We're having patient endurance. It means we're not mad at God. We don't blame God for our suffering because we trust Him. Our faith is in Jesus. And so when we go through suffering, patient endurance. I trust God as I go through this. And then Paul says, this endurance through suffering with patience and without bitterness produces character. Now when he said, uses the word character in the Greek, it doesn't mean like Boy Scout character. Honest, trustworthy, uh, kind, courteous, all those. What he's talking about is this quality. The character, the quality of passing a test and being found true, approved, and real. It's kind of like when your mom tells you, don't eat the Christmas cookies in the refrigerator. I mean, in the freezer. They're for Christmas. And then she goes down and she opens the freezer the day before Christmas and she sees all the cookies are there. You have character. You've passed the test. I use that example because one year she opened the refrigerator and all the cookies were gone. I mean, the freezer. Me and my brothers and sisters had all been for weeks eating the Christmas cookies. (laughs) The quality of passing a test, being found true, approved, real. So you're suffering, but in patient endurance, you pass the test. You're real. So Paul is saying that as followers of Jesus, when we trust God through our suffering, we demonstrate our believing and trusting faith. It's a sense of passing the test of suffering, being found faithful in our suffering and our pain. And this produces hope. See, what happens is when we're patiently enduring suffering and we show this character, this approvedness, that, you know what, I'm not mad at God, I'm trusting, because it's like... I really am who God says I am. I really am a follower of Christ. I've been approved. I've been proven that my faith is real. I've proven to myself I really am a follower of Christ. I'm not blaming God for my suffering. I'm walking through it with him in faith. No one wants to go through suffering. Did anyone wake up this morning and said, Lord, bring it on. I want to suffer today. Nobody said that. We don't say that. We don't look for opportunities to suffer. But when we go through it, God shows us who we are in Him. He shows us that we really are His. And we can rejoice in that. We echo the words of that song we sing. I am who you say I am when we go through suffering with faith, in my suffering we can say, I am who Jesus says that I am. You know, I've watched this church family over the years go through suffering of all kinds. And I've seen you find joy even in your suffering because you are who says you are. You are followers of Christ who put your trust in Him and you patiently endure, and you continue to grow in your connection with Jesus and His family. And we can find joy in that, even in our suffering. So Romans 5, 3-5 through 5 was for today. And we could stop there, but we're not going to. No, she wants to. You want to stop? I'll do like Nick the Greek does. Would anybody give me five, five more minutes? Anybody? And ten people raise his hand and their hand. And he's like, good, I got 50 minutes. But nobody raised their hand, so I guess I don't get any minutes. <laughs> All right, so now we move to Romans chapter 6. So flip the page, page 942, Romans chapter 6. In, in a, a few minutes, I'm going to ask Linda to come up and read verses 1 through 14, but I want to kind of set the stage. Who, uh, who likes airport security? Oh, you should all like airport security. Airport security ensures that nothing dangerous, theoretically, gets from the world we live in to that surreal world on the other side of airport security, right? You know the world I'm talking about. There's no guns, there's no knives. There's no explosives. There's no bottles of anything greater than three ounces. I don't know why three ounces is the magic number. Um, Everybody who's in that world on the other side of airport security has permission to be there. They're either working there or they have a ticket. And those with tickets, they have a destination. And the only thing on that side of airport security is non-prohibited items. Think about that. There's nothing there that's not prohibited. Imagine a world where nothing's prohibited. Hmm. Sounds like heaven. Everything that is prohibited in the safe space on the other side of airport security has been what? It's been left behind. So when you make it through airport security, you get your shoes back on, you get your... Laptop back in its case, you get your belt on, you find all your stuff, you get your passport so you can take your trip. You get everything together, you begin to walk to your gate because you're going on an adventure. You're going to visit family or travel the world or go on a business trip where, where if you're successful, your business will do better. You begin to walk to your gate. You're walking into a new world. This is, this is different than what's on the other side of airport security. you made it through security. All prohibited items are left behind, and you walk into something new. Today in Romans 6, Paul talks to us about walking in the newness of life. As we get ready to talk about walking in the newness of life, I want to say this. God wants us to experience the newness of life today. And He wants us to experience The newness of life, a different newness, tomorrow and the next day. And so God's created a way for us to have newness of life. And the way to enter the newness of life is a little bit like airport security. As we've been studying the book of Romans, we've talked quite a bit about justification. Justification is like airport security. Justification, here's a definition in review, it's an act of God in which our sins are forgiven, prohibited items left behind, and he declares us to be righteous in his sight. You may enter the newness of life. And we've talked about how justification comes in two parts. Part one of justification, God forgives our sins. God's impartial, we said. No sin is too great, no sin is too small. No number of sins is too great or too small. When God justifies a person, all sins are forgiven. And part two is when we receive the righteousness of Jesus. So our sins have been forgiven, but it's not this neutral place. Then God imparts, imputes His righteousness to us. Not by anything we've done, like Tim shared during communion but by what Jesus did for us. So this is justification. So at airport security, you're allowed to leave any prohibited items behind, and you're found to be acceptable to cross through security and into that world where there's no prohibited items. So when you're justified, your sin is left behind. You're regarded as a person who can enter into a connection with Jesus And his family. So what causes God to justify us? First we're justified by the blood of Jesus. Our sin requires payment. And Jesus paid it all. With his life. With his shed blood on the cross. Jesus paid for our sins. And so we're justified by the blood. When we're justified by his blood. We're saved from wrath by his love we're reconciled to God by his death and we're given new life by his resurrection so justified by the blood of Jesus but also we're justified by faith in the earlier chapters of Romans we've talked about this our believing and trusting faith causes in Jesus faith in Jesus causes God to respond to that faith and he responds by forgiving us and making us or regarding us as righteous. So we've been forgiven, made righteous by the blood of Jesus, and by our faith in Him. And when we're justified by faith, we have peace with God, access to His grace, and rejoice in the hope of His glory. When we're justified by His blood and our faith, we're connected to Jesus and to His family, We've made it past, if you will, we've made it past airport security and we've entered into the newness of life. So now what do we do? Surrendered our life to Jesus, we've entered into the newness of life, we've been justified, we're past security, we're in this place where there's no prohibited items, we're saved and justified. What comes next? Does anybody remember the movie The Terminal? Not The Terminator, but The Terminal, 2004. Tom Hanks, right? Tom Hanks plays this guy where he, he's a he's a traveler to the states from another country. He lands in JFK Airport, but there's a war in his country, and one government's gone, another's in. So his passport's not valid, so he can't enter the states. But he can't go back home because that government doesn't exist anymore. So he's he's has to live in JFK Airport, in that place where there's no prohibited items except for him. And how, how would you describe, use one word, think of one word that would describe life living in an airport terminal for like months. Fun? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Take him some time. All right. Anybody? Isolated? Prison. Prison noisy, (laughs) I didn't think of that one, boring, yeah, rank, there's no showers, yeah, rank. Okay, anybody else? One person in the first service said, oh, I can't say it in church. See, you all know what I'm talking about, though, don't you? All right. Now, I can say hell in church. She said hell, she screamed it out, second row, right there. It'd be hell. Yes, it would. Okay, anyway. So when you're justified by Jesus' blood and by your faith, you don't enter into this place and just stay there. This boring, confined, repetitive life without purpose. When you're justified, you're saved, you receive the gift of eternal life, but God has so much more. You're adopted into his family, but he has so much more. When you're saved, that's not the last amazing thing that God does in your life. So now we want to listen to what life is like after we are justified. We've passed through airport security, now what? So come on up, Linda's going to read. That portion of Scripture chapter 6 verse 1 through 14
1: what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who have died to sin still live in it do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him in baptism into death to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace.
0: Thank you, Linda. All right, so now, now we're, we're turning, turning a corner from justification you're talking about sanctification. Let me give you a. I know that's a big word, but that's okay. You guys can handle it. Sanctification. Let me give you a definition. It's a biblical word, by the way. Uh, sanctification is a progressive work of God, so progressive, step by step, a progressive work of God and man. So man and God in partnership that makes us more and more free and more and more like Jesus in our actual lives our real lives, the real us. So we move from connecting with God through justification by faith and by the blood of Jesus to um, connecting with God through sanctification, by believing, faithful, trusting faith. So sanctification is like the journey we take with God after we pass through airport security. We're not going to live in the terminal. We're going to go on a great adventure. So in the first 14 verses of Romans, Paul gives us a picture, not a complete picture, but a picture of um, sanctification. In fact, he doesn't even use the word sanctification in those 14 verses, but verse 19 he does. So guess what we're going to talk about next week, too? Sanctification. Oh, man, you guys are on it. All right, so sanctification is this partnership between God and man, God and women, that helps us, that takes us from our point of need to become more and more like Jesus and have less and less sin in our lives. So it's a partnership between God and his followers. So what is God's part then? What is God's work in sanctification? If it's a partnership, God has a part to play and we have a part to play. What is God's part? Well, in verse 3, Paul says that when we become followers of Jesus, we were baptized into Jesus' death. When we become followers of Jesus, God enters into a relationship with us. And so part of God's work in sanctification is to be in a relationship with us. He doesn't just save us, he embraces us. How did, how did the words in that song go? Um, um, we're, we're, we feel like we're surrounded, but he surrounds us. How's that go? right right we're surrounded by god's embrace in the process of sanctification so part of god's sanctifying work is to continue to embrace us as his children in verse 4 we see that part of god's sanctifying work is to walk with us in the newness of life verse 4 says this we were buried Therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when we're justified, God gives us new life. Then God embraces us as his children, and he takes us on a great adventure. He walks with us in newness of life. And then in verse 7 and 8, we see that part of God's sanctifying work is to set us free from sin. So justification, we're set free from the penalty of sin. But we still struggle with sin, don't we? Or is that just me? Okay, we all struggle with sin. So God's work in sanctification is to set us free from sin after we sin and when we turn to Him for help. This is repentance. I think the best description of repentance is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So part of God's sanctifying work we see in Romans chapter 6 is to help us become more and more free from sin and more and more like Jesus by embracing us as His children Walking with us in the newness of life and setting us free from our sin. That is what God does. That's awesome, isn't it? That God is busy doing all those things in our life. Embracing us, walking with us, and setting us free from sin. Walking in the newness of life. Betsy and I like to walk. We walk almost three miles, almost every day. But can I make a confession? (laughs) Somebody said, yeah, please. Oh, this is the good part. (laughs) Sometimes when she asks me to walk, I don't want to walk. I'm tired, I'm distracted, I don't have time, it's too much work to get the hat and gloves and boots and scarf and all that stuff on, and it's only October and... uh, And I know it's going to be painful because of the wind, not because of her, because of the wind. Because of the wind and the cold. But uh, 99.9 times out of 100, I say yes when she asks me to walk. Why? Because I love her and I want to be with her. And all that other stuff just doesn't matter. So I always say yes, almost always. And God's work in sanctification is like that. Coming to us and saying, hey, let's go for a walk. We have things to talk about. We have places to go. We have people to meet. Walk with me, Jesus says, in the newness of life. You know, we say God's mercies are new every day. And so every day God says, let's take a walk and let me show you my new mercies today. So what is our work in sanctification? Paul gives us two parts of our work in sanctification. First, in verse 11, he tells followers of Jesus, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So every day, we must recognize in our minds and in our hearts that we are, as followers of Jesus, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And that every day is an opportunity to experience the great adventure, to walk in the newness of life. So when you get up in the morning, do you see the new you, or do you see yesterday's you? When you start your day, are you looking ahead into the newness of life? Are you looking into the shadows of the past? When we're looking at our past, it's like shadow boxing. You ever shadow boxed? Somebody in the first service says, yeah, and I never win. Right? Shadow box, right? You're just like duking it out with a shadow. And you never get to hit anything. I thought that was kind of funny. (laughs) So here's the thing. If you're shadow boxing with the shadows of your past, you will expend all your energy on your past and not have any energy for your future. You're the best way to get rid of a shadow, don't you? Turn the lights on, shine light on it, and the shadow's gone. The best way for us to get rid of the shadows of our past is to shine the light of the truth of God's Word on those shadows. And Paul gives us a great spotlight to shine on the shadows of our past. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Because that's who you are as a follower of Christ. You are dead to your sin dead to the shadows of the past, and alive in Christ. So Paul is shining light on our shadows. He says, don't fight the shadows of the past. Walk in the newness of life. Don't let your past be who you are in the present, because if your past is who you are in the present, your future will be your past. Did you get that? Let me say that again. Don't let your past be who you are in the present, because if your past is who you are in the present, your future will be your past. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to end the battles of yesterday. He wants us to step into the newness of life. So we want to stop shadow boxing and take a walk with Jesus. Paul shows us another part of our work in sanctification. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. What does that say? In this verse, Paul is telling us that we have a choice. We get to be instruments of God's righteousness or instruments of our own self-righteousness, our own sinful desires. So each of you has been given amazing gifts from God. And Paul is saying you have a choice. Use them for God's glory or use them for your own glory. And this is part of our work in sanctification. To walk in the newness of life with Jesus and let him use us. Let him use us use us as instruments of his righteousness so others can learn to walk with Jesus as well. So just like we don't want to shadow box, we don't want to shadow box with our past, we don't also want to live in the glories of our past. Do you have a favorite memory or favorite memories uh, in your spiritual journey? Maybe there's a conference you went to and man, the, the presence of God was just so powerful. Or maybe you had a divine appointment with someone and, and uh, right before your eyes, they, you, you saw the Lord transform their hearts. Or, or maybe your own journey, You know, God just did a mighty work in your life in one season of your life. And, and you look back and you go, man, those, are, those were awesome times. And that's good. We need to remember those moments. But those moments can't be the pinnacle of our spiritual walk. They need to be the baseline. Because if you believe the pinnacle of your great adventure with God is in your past, you won't walk in the newness of life. You'll look at the past glories, and you'll miss the glories that lie ahead. What God has planned for you in your future is so much greater than what's happened in the past. And ultimately, the great moment is when you enter into heaven with the Lord in all his glory. And so that's ahead. So I'm true. It's true when I say that. What God has planned for you in your future is so much greater than what you have experienced in your past. So if we live in our past glories, we will be like the old wineskins that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. He says, This neither is new wine put in old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so birth both, so both are preserved. So our work in sanctification is to present ourselves to God present ourselves to God each day as his instruments for his glory. We're presenting ourselves and he makes us new wineskins and then he puts new wine in those new wineskins and we walk in the newness of life. Corky, our dear friend and sister in the Lord, who went to be with the Lord just this past Monday, she's a great example of this of this sanctification process, this work that God has for us to draw closer to him and be more free of our sins. She didn't spend a lot of time shadow boxing. Instead, she spent her time walking in the newness of life. She had many amazing adventures with the Lord over the years, but she was also she was always stepping into something new she was always looking for new ways to be an instrument of god's glory let me give you an example just a year ago in january she came to me she said timothy (laughs) she said god has laid it on my heart to start a saturday morning women's group and this is what i think he wants me to do and and she had notes and scriptures and i mean the lord had spoken clearly to her. You know how old she was? 83. She was not living in her past. She's like, all right, God, what is next? What is next for me? I'm 83. Let's start something new. We've got things to talk about and places to go and people to meet. 83. Starting something new. Sometimes we get trapped in time and we confuse walking in the newness of life with just stepping into tomorrow. Tomorrow is just going to be yesterday again. Tomorrow is just going to be your past relived one more time unless you step away from the shadows. And you walk in the newness of life. You stop shadow boxing and you say to Jesus, let's go for a walk. I got to tell you this during uh, connection time, uh, little Patrick uh, Luca, he's two, I don't know why, but he likes me. And um, he grabbed my hand and he started tugging, and we went for a walk all over the church. We just walked. I'm like, I don't know where Patrick wants to go. I'm just going to let him lead me around. And it was a really cool moment. It's like, I think sometimes we do that. We grab Jesus' hand, and we try and lead him around. Not that I'm Jesus, okay? I'm just a picture, okay? And uh, and Jesus goes with us. He goes with us. And then he says, okay, let me show you where I want you to go. You know, and it was, it was awesome because he's leading me around and I'm like, man, I really want a donut. <laughs> and I said, hey, Patrick, let's go get some food. And he's like, okay. And so we walked over and I got a donut. He went where I wanted to go. It was a lot easier for him to go where I wanted to go. He didn't have to, like, try and pull me along. He just walked with me. Sometimes we try to pull Jesus' places where we don't have any business going. Sometimes we, all right, Lord, you, you lead me. I want to walk in the newness of life, your newness, not mine. Walk in the newness of life. Move from your point of need and grow in your connection. with Jesus and His family. And rejoice, even in the suffering. Because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God loves us, and His Spirit is in us. Let's pray. Lord, we want to walk in the newness of life. We don't want to live in the terminal. We certainly don't want to be stuck at security. I just say today, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today is a good day to leave the prohibited items behind and let Him bring you through the checkpoint and into that amazing grace that He has for you. And for all of us, whatever age, whether we're in 8th grade or we're in our 80s, God has a new thing today for you. And tomorrow, He'll have a new thing for you. And so walk in the newness of life and experience the great adventure that God has for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now. And for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.